everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. It was it was one of the areas um, on tape that you saw some other teams have success with, and so you know we we got these heavy run section, nickel run section, draws, cracks, RPOs, and, and not necessarily always RPOs. They may, may have been you know runs that you're reading the end, weak read, zone reads. And that was something that we, we thought would be effective, and we were able to, you know, have some big plays, you know, coming out of it. That is the voice of Sean Payton, of course, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, talking about the Broncos' run game and the plan against the Cleveland Browns, in which they won. By the way, the Cleveland Browns, uh, when he said we had seen teams have success, uh, that's sort of a beauty in the eye of the beholder. Even after the Broncos ran for 169 yards on Sunday, the Browns are still only allowing 105.9 on the ground, and they are still, by the way, leading the NFL in yards allowed per game at 247.9, almost 30 yards better than the second team in the league, the Baltimore Ravens. So, Sandy, as we we start this off, I ask you, how good is the Broncos' running game really? Well... Uh, let's go to the numbers real quick. And this is easy to understand. The Broncos enter week 13, this upcoming week in the NFL, leading the league in yards before contact per rush mm. at 1.80. That's a, that's a now, really important stat. It is, as was noted today by Nick Cosmider at The Athletic, uh, often difficult to quantify offensive line performance in the run game. It can get a little tricky. But that particular stat is indicative of a line that's creating room at the point of attack. I mean, 1.80 before contact. Before you even touched. And that really matters when you're talking about, especially when you're talking about Samaje Pirine and Javante Williams, two who guys who are build up power, ahead of steam. Yeah, they're yeah. power runners. Right. So if, if you get them that two yards where they're not even being touched yet, now all of a sudden the first guy that has to try to tackle him – You've got a bit of a problem on your hands. And at the very least, with both of these running backs, they have one of the things that I think is really important that gets lost in the shuffle as we go into a league with more and more passing. And there's there's not a thing wrong with that. It's exciting and it's fun. But the nuances of the run game sometimes get lost. And one of those important skills is learning to make sure that you always fall forward at the end. And really good running backs do it. And... Both Javante Williams and Samaje Pirine fall forward at the end. They, they find a way to understand when the play is over. That's another part of it as well. 
and get a, an extra half a yard, a third of a yard, they're not getting pushed back. And the combination of not getting hit almost two yards down the field before anyone even puts a hand on you, and the fact you have two guys who can stay fresh by rotating and fall forward, it's not a sexy offense by 2023 standards. I get it. I really do. And and I am not making the direct comparison because, I, well, I think the Broncos are getting better. I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl. But it reminds me a little bit of when the Broncos won their first Super Bowl and started to realize we have a running game and – that's okay if we're going to lean on that first and foremost, despite the fact we have a Hall of Fame quarterback. We're going to go old school and use the well, run to set up the pass. I always go Nothing by wrong the, with it. Bill Walsh theory, uh, the late, great Bill Walsh, uh, who said that running backs are essentially interchangeable unless you have a great one. The Broncos had a great one in Terrell Davis. And Bill Walsh had a great one in Roger Craig. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Rathman was a hell of a fullback. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Position fullbacks? Yeah. Remember? Broncos have one. Time. Broncos like, actually do yeah. have one. And Burton. And he actually plays. He does play. A fair amount. Not a lot. 20, 25% of the snaps at most. By but, the, you want my, my weird uh, shoot when my you have shot? A great one. By the end of the year, I think Burton's going to get a touchdown rush. Because that, we've seen Sean Payton three. use fullbacks at times. It's only been three. It's only been three. But I think by the end of the year, he sneaks one in. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Uh, I'd rather him blocking down there than running. But uh, in any case, if you have a great one, and the Broncos did with Terrell Davis during those years. You you ride that back. Now, that was a time when backs carried the ball probably more than they should have uh, for their own good. Uh, career longevity was not Terrell Davis' strong suit, and that hurt him in the Hall of Fame balloting for quite some time. It did. Uh, he was kind of the Roger Maris of uh, And it might have continued football. to hurt him if Gale Sayers hadn't had his career shortened because of the same reason. Well, yes, but Gale Sayers had something in his back pocket that, uh, TD never had the return game punt returns and kickoff returns <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I know his career was essentially a five-year career uh, before knee injuries uh, shortened it and he and Terrell share uh, shortened careers and mm-hmm. that actually five pretty much it did with TD you could say four maybe maybe parts of two others would give you five full years but the Broncos don't have that uh Certainly no one runs 300 times in a season anymore, much less 350. <laughs> right. Uh, you're, you're not going to see that. But you had a coordination between the running back and the offensive line that was unprecedented, in my view. Uh, Jim Brown and the Cleveland offensive line had it. Um, I, 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 I'm thinking of the other great runners. I, I can only come up with Emmett Smith and the Dallas offensive line were simpatico. Barry Sanders' greatest runs were often three-yard losses because his offensive mm-hmm. line was so bad. And you'd look at that and say any other back doing what Barry Sanders did would have been tackled for a 10- or 15-yard loss. He made it only a three-yard loss or a two-yard loss. Right. And it, some of his greatest and, and, runs. And ran 35, so 40, 50 yards. I wouldn't yards say to get the, <laughs> Barry Sanders and his offensive line were well coordinated. But I think of TD and the Denver offensive line. I think of Emmett Smith, the Dallas offensive line. And back in the 60s, I think of uh, the great Jim Brown and the Cleveland offensive line. And I, I suppose to an extent with their famed power sweep, Jim Taylor, Paul Horning, and the Green Bay Packers okay. outstanding offensive line of the same period of, of the early to mid uh, 1960s, but I'm seen today, uh, you know, running back by committee. Yes, 
but a certain kind of meshing that has transpired involving both the running backs, Kevante Williams and Samaje Pirine, and the Denver offensive line, which has been the Denver offensive line. Uh, yeah. In every game, they've started the same five offensive linemen. They missed a few snaps not here many. and there, but not a lot. Fewer than 10 99.7% of the snaps uh, taken in, by in, the starting in, five. I say in my view as if it's opinion. It, it, it's a fact, I think, that they have missed fewer than 10 snaps collectively this year as an offensive line. And that is a very, very big deal. And they are developing uh, rapport often friendships that extend off mm-hmm. the field. And I think the locker room is an easier place to be in. Uh, when the offensive line was fractured, uh, it was impossible for that kind of meshing, melding, whatever you want to call it, to take place. One of the things I noticed, and it was a photograph that made me notice this, as a reminder, uh, there's a photograph in Cosmider's athletic piece today of Williams running behind a pulling left tackle, Garrett Bowles. Right. And it reminded me of a time, and I can't remember if it was 2020 or 2021. I It, it seemed like the earlier of those two years, in which during the first half of the season, the Broncos struggled along the offensive line. The second half of the season, Dalton Reisner at left guard and Garrett Bowles at left tackle began pulling a lot more. And I never understood why the Broncos weren't doing that all the time. Hadn't done it earlier. They never went back to it. And we know Reisner is now in Minnesota playing left guard and kind of undistinguished. Uh, Bowles is here before Sunday, relatively undistinguished since 2020. But I think now you look at Bowles pulling, uh, Powers trapping sometimes, and the left side of the offensive line. You no, know, the right side is fine, apart from the McGlinching penalties. Left side's been very good. It, it, it really has been. And when you look at the way that that, I, I think it was interesting hearing some of the discussion as well after after the game in kind of a scrum with the with, with reporters in the in the locker room. Um, Garrett Bowles said specifically, and I'll, I'll, I'll just read it to you. I'm grateful to have guys that have the same vision I do. It's just about damn time that I got guys that just want to play ball. Well, That's an interesting discussion. It's, it, it's interesting. It's it, it's a little simplistic. I, I mean, I don't know. Garrett Bowles has said a lot of things over the years. But about you talk about the someone. Other the offensive lineman here. Like, and, like Reisner, yeah. who, who at times it appeared the focus may not have been. You know, well, there is okay, the idea there. Here's the problem with that. Bowles said Reisner is the left guard I always wanted, I always dreamed of. Also true. And much like Russell uh, Wilson, he only kind of says he, nice he loved it. He loved it a whole lot. Uh, at least at first, playing with Reisner, and now Reisner's one of those guys who really didn't love the game, and now they're guys who love the game. And uh McGlinchey had a similar quote. Uh first and foremost, we've got guys who love playing football. The five of us and the rest of us, not only the five of us, really are committed to playing good football and playing it well together. We really enjoy being around one another, which is a huge added bonus and makes going to work easier. There's an open discourse about what we do well, 
what to do better, and when things are screwed up, how to fix it. And we are so fortunate to have Zach Street and Austin King as our two O-line coaches because they've kept us on the right path and kept our vision on the way we needed to do it. We've been chipping away at the block all year to show that we can get better and put games on our back. And I like the last phrase because I thought that's what the Broncos did on Sunday against Cleveland. The pro football focus numbers for the line are interesting. Now, Mike McGlinchey is, uh, and Ben Powers, the two newest guys are the lowest, 60 for Powers, 65 for McGlinchey. Remember, and they a, take into account penalties. They do, right. and it is a it is a 1 to 100 scale, and, and the truth of the matter is in the 60s is is not bad. It's it's not it's, terrible. It, it's, no. it's not bad. So 60 for Powers, 65 for McGlinchey, 71.1 for Cushionberry, 75 for Point three for Bulls. Now we are getting into good. Mm-hmm. And 83.6 yeah, for minus. That's, that's all Outstanding. That's all now, when you look at the blown blocks, sports yeah. information systems uh, kind of uh, tabulates these things, blown blocks. And it's somewhat subjective, but you get the idea. You know, it's kind of like run block, win rate, pass right. block, win rate. Now, there are more pass uh, blown blocks than, than run blocks, obviously. Mike McGlinchey leads, and maybe not surprisingly, because at the beginning of the year really took him a while to get settled in. 24 blown pass blocks over the course of the year. Greg Garrett Bulls and Ben Powers have 12 each. Miners has six. Cushionberry has four. But look at it on the run. On the run, McGlinchey has nine. Miners has nine. Cushionberry has seven. When you run to the left, Powers with three and Bulls with two. Blown running blocks. This team can, and they have showed as a five-man unit, you can get them going downhill. You already talked about the 1.8 yards per carry before yeah. contact, which leads the league. I'm not sure this isn't actually sustainable. And I think the running back by committee, even though fantasy players hate it, is actually the exact right thing for the Denver Broncos right now with P. Ryan and Williams. There's also, as we heard from Sean Payton a few minutes ago, complexities now in the running game. Different stuff they're reading, different yes. stuff they're trying to do. talking about the pulling tackle. And, uh, I, I love the... Uh, seminar, in effect, that was uh, put forth by the San Francisco 49ers on Thanksgiving night on all the different ways to run the ball. And when you adjust to one, they go back to something surprise, else. Surprise, surprise. They have a counter for everything. <laughs> and they can power block, and they can zone block, and they do it with equal facility. They do it on both sides of the line. Uh, they have uh, a guy who sometimes looks more like a receiver who's a running back in McCaffrey and a guy who looks more like a running back but lines up most often as a receiver in Debo Samuel, and both were sensational during the ballgame. And Brandon Ayuk, uh, who's probably their best pure wide receiver, was was kind of a decoy (laughs) in that game because Kittle uh, caught passes, and, of course, uh, McCaffrey did and and Samuel did. McCaffrey caught passes, and Debo Samuel ran the ball. And, and, and they, they they were just beautiful. And the offensive line is so beautifully built and, and well-coordinated. Uh, that that was a tutorial on uh, on run blocking during the course of that ball game. And the pass blocking was uh, sublime. But I'm becoming increasingly convinced that pass blocking has a lot to do with the quarterback uh, and the quarterback's ability to get oh, rid of the ball on time. That was a Peyton Manning strength. I always said when Peyton Manning was here, even when his skills started to diminish uh, markedly in 2015, Peyton Manning was his own best pass protector because 
the line knew exactly when he was going to get rid of the ball, and that didn't vary. It wasn't quite as good in 2015, but it still, by the time Manning came back for the last half of the last regular season game and on through the playoffs, he was back to getting rid of the ball on time. Now, were they as adventurous in the passing game as they had been in 12, 13, and 14? Of course they weren't, but they weren't making mistakes in the passing game. And all of a sudden, the offensive line didn't look so bad. Uh, they ran the ball well in the playoffs, especially. And Peyton Manning, I think, threw one postseason interception that year and threw a bunch of touchdowns, much as Russell Wilson is doing now with, I believe, diminished skills uh, at, at this point. Um, maybe not as diminished as, as Manning's skills were by 2015, but Manning made up for it, especially in the playoffs with his head, and I think Russell Wilson is doing that uh, quite a bit right now. But when it comes to run blocking, I don't think we, all of us, myself most definitely included, pay enough attention to what the offensive line is doing or not doing. Time to throw for Russell Wilson has actually gone up incrementally. 2.98 seconds last year, 3.05 seconds this year. Of course, he is one of the quarterbacks. When you look at those numbers, you'll see a whole bunch of guys that scramble. Uh, Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, who the Broncos will see on Sunday, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, you get the hint. Uh, when the, the folks are going to scramble, obviously have a little bit of time. But he has had a little bit more time to throw. And you're right, Wilson is part of that equation. The, the, it's so important for offensive lines to be able to also know when their quarterback is mobile how their quarterback tends to move. Because you can't look behind you you're a little occupied, right? You can't look behind you and try to find out, well, okay, our quarterback rolled over here. Now I need to slide protection over here. You need to know. And again, that's reps. And so what you're seeing from the Broncos is not a juggernaut offense, but what I think you are seeing and have seen is sustainable and should continue to get incrementally better as the season goes along. The question is, can they take leads in games where then right. they can really lean into it? Because yeah, when they trail... Yeah. Totally different thing. And and listen, you're playing a team that can score on Sunday. Uh, say what you will about the rest of the Houston Texans team. It's young. It's uh, coming on. Mm -hmm. But it's also beaten the special up. teams in the defense are a little bit more beaten up now. And they're not quite as good. I mean, they're 20th in, in both according to uh, Football Outsiders DVOA metric. They're top 10 offensive team. And C.J. Stroud is a top five quarterback. They can put points on the board, especially when they're playing at home. And, you know, I'm I'm looking today fundamentally at uh, the athletics evaluation on expected points added uh, in various categories. Uh, quarterbacks, uh, I charted 1 through 20 because the guys below 20 don't matter. They're not on teams in contention for the most part. Jeez. I'm not paying any wow. attention. So that to that guy's mom. So what, one, one through 20. All right. Well, I got Derek Carr <laughs> at number 20. Now, the Saints are in contention, but Derek Carr's been bad. All right. Um, you look at, and I put a star by the steadiest of, of the quarterbacks who are basically ranked across the board EPA per dropback, total EPA, and passer rating. They're kind of ranked in similar places, okay, along the spectrum. And 
among those between 11 and 20, starting with Jordan Love and ending with Derek Carr, I starred Baker Mayfield, who's really been steady this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Not almost if you go weeks one through four, five through eight, nine through 12, you know, he hasn't been riding the roller coaster. He's been pretty steady. I don't think the team is that good. I don't think he's been great, but he's number 12 in uh, EPA per dropback overall at 0.04. Actually, he's number 13. Yeah. On a team that isn't very good. Love is number 12 and Lamar Jackson is 14. Russell Wilson is 15. Uh, Burrow, uh, before he got hurt, um, including his numbers now, um, steady but not necessarily in a good way, similar to Carr, 17th, 19th, and 16th in EPA per dropback, total EPA, and passer rating. But more interested in the top 10 guys, Jared Gossman steady, 10th, uh, I think uh, 11th, and 8th. Mahomes has been steady. Herbert's been steady. Two has been steady. Prescott, in my view, has been the best quarterback in the NFL this I year. I think Prescott is and not getting a large the love part of that is because he's been the steadiest right throughout the year. Second in EPA per dropback, third in total EPA, second in rating. How about that for a season? But two has been steady. Um, you know what else has been steady? C.J. Stroud. Yep. He's fifth in EPA per dropback. He is fourth in total EPA, and he is sixth in passer rating. This is a rookie who's supposed to be up and down and up and down and up and down. He's been pretty good. He had a rough stretch kind of in the middle of the season for three or four games, but he's been steady, and the EPA numbers and the passer rating reflect that. We'll get to the Broncos a little bit more later, but we'll talk about here on this program, every team, every day. And we're not going to pass up when a top 20 showdown happens up in Fort Collins. The Rams ranked 20th in the country. will be taking on the Buffs, who were just ranked not that long ago. We'll break it down next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Well, normally when the Buffaloes and the Rams face off on the basketball court, it's kind of about state bragging rights. There's not often a lot on the line. Well, not so much. The Buffaloes were in the rankings for two weeks until they lost in overtime to Florida State. Uh, they went back and smashed Iona as a as a bounce back. The Rams are ranked 20th in the nation. They are unbeaten, and they haven't even had to win a game by single digits yet, Sandy. Every single Including one of them. against Creighton. Creighton, who, who was ranked and expected to be. Number eight in yeah, the country. Uh, and we know from last year what kind of team Creighton has. Creighton's one of those mid-major teams that has guys who stay year after year after year. So they have uh, a chance to develop some real cohesion with the same players, and CSU just pounded the Specifically Isaiah them. Stevens, who is a fifth-year player because of the COVID uh, issues. They're 17.5 points, 7.8 assists this season. Uh, he's been 
really, really good. The Rams and defensively, never, the Rams are sensational. They've never been ranked higher than 18th, ever. Yeah. Well, they they're win number tonight, 20 now. They might. They might. Colorado they is might. in the team's receiving votes yeah. because they were yeah. ranked. They are 5-1. Yeah. and one. Uh, It's not as if they've been bad. The Buffaloes yeah. are going to make it Well, though. you know, if Colorado wins, they'll be back in the top I suspect 20. they'll be they, back. They might switch places with CSU. Exactly. So this is kind of an interesting game with some real national implications. And it is on national television. And there television. is no reason uh, that on CBS Sportsnet, starting at 7, that you won't be watching two tournament teams. Yeah. In 2023, 24. Yeah. There's no reason that both, that both teams, not one or the other, but both, no reason that both shouldn't be in the tournament. The Buffs have five players averaging double digit scoring, which is rather unusual for college basketball. It's a pretty diversified offense. Uh, KJ Simpson leads the way with the 18.3, but Cody Williams, the uh, uh, who is coming very, on. very top prospect, he's getting okay. better every day. It's game. like not you want the, the ideas you say, you know, week by week. Or game by game. Game by game. It's more like half by half, yeah. possession by be. possession. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he is getting better uh, yeah. very, very quickly. And, uh, and Tad's a great coach yep. for a young player like this, especially a five-star. I don't believe Tad Boyle's ever had a five-star. No. It is the, he's the highest rank they've ever had. Yeah. Of course, they had uh, not three at CU and not at Northern Colorado. Top 150 among ESPN, three editions yeah. this year for the Rams. Nico Medved has that team yeah. going. Bad luck for them. Uh, Patrick Cartier. Their forward who averages 10.5 points a game is out with a back injury. Uh, Jalen Lake, who is uh, uh, comes off the you can, play, can play significant minutes there. He's only scoring six uh, 6.3 per game. He is questionable with a hand injury. But, but the, the game of, is in Fort Collins. It so is in Fort Collins. Uh, maybe that'll neutralize. Cartier is you know well an important player. He is their fourth leading scorer. I mean it is yeah. Stevens yeah. and and Scott. They have guys that score. I, it's it's going to be good. I mean. It, the, the Rams are favored by our friends over at Superbook Sports by three and a half points. I think maybe the injury to Cartier closes that. But this feels to me, especially in Moby, like a toss-up. Oh, I think so. I think so. And, and that's intriguing. I mean, you have two really good underrated coaches. I think Tad Boyle's wildly underrated, and they're lucky to have him. But Nico Medved uh, is outstanding in his own right. And... If Bill Self ever leaves Kansas, yeah. I suspect Tad Boyle might be a successor. He, he might yeah, very Tad's well that be. good. And when you're talking about Nico Medved, you're talking about a guy who two years ago probably could have left CSU. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he could have. And, and did not. And the longer he stays, the, the more you think he, he might like it well enough. He might be kind of the, the Sonny Lubick of uh, the basketball program yeah. up there. And I mean, it may stay a lot longer than... Uh, you might have expected and familiarity. And, and, you know, when well, he was the assistant yeah. coach there under Tim Miles, you know, he they was. went to four straight yeah. Yeah. tournaments. Yeah, they did. Uh, they up did. there, and Tim Miles did a pretty good job. I, I mean, there there are coaches uh, around here with both CU and CSU who really did some very good and perhaps even exceptional work. Uh, Tad's clearly the greatest coach in the history of the CU program, but there have been other coaches up in Boulder uh, since I've been in town over the last 44 years uh, who have done well and haven't gotten a lot of credit for it. And I I think among the CSU coaches, uh, Tiny Grant's been the best uh, since I first arrived in 79. But I thought Tim Miles was very underrated. And maybe Tim Miles would look back and say, I should have stayed. Well, it ends up being a fascinating game tonight. And, and, Boy, you look at the basketball scene in Colorado, and these two programs, obviously the men's programs, both rolling, you know, 
feels like a little bit of a showdown here. One of these teams is probably going to be ranked after this game, and the other one probably isn't. And uh, it highly depends on who wins it. So there's a lot on the line well, there. For, for the final days of November, uh, it's a pretty significant game. And, it, you know, you think of college basketball and you think, well, January people might pay a little bit of attention when conference play starts and maybe a little more in February. In March, you got the conference tournaments, of course, March Madness. But college basketball is at best kind of a two-and-a-half-month season. But but here in November, you have a game tonight of some consequence. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a, it's a great week here in college athletics. you got CUCSU. You've got the two great rivals, uh, DU and North Dakota in college hockey. Right. North Dakota coming in on Friday night and Saturday night at Magnus Arena. Uh, you know, you've, you've, you've got the women uh, yeah, both CSU that's and CU. Go, uh, CSU, uh, CSU lost once, uh, or CU lost once. CSU is undefeated, I believe. C- CSU is only one of eight schools in the country in which both their men's and women's programs are unbeaten. That's it. So I mean, they're playing. They're playing great. They play uh, the 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 Rams women play at, at UTEP on Thursday. Of course, the Buffaloes ranked uh, seventh in the nation. Uh, in both polls at this point. So it, it really is a great time for basketball in Colorado. The, the CU women, by the way, take on Air Force down at uh, Clune in Colorado Springs on Saturday afternoon as well. So they're likely to go to uh, to 8-1, and one, but another uh, in-state battle. And so th- this isn't oftentimes in Colorado when it comes to college, a basketball town. It's always been football. Look, when the Rams are good, when the Buffaloes are good. Uh, there is interest. There always is interest. But it has not been often in which basketball from CU and CSU have really stolen the thunder. And they probably won't in this case. But in the end, despite all the excitement about CU's football team, they didn't make a bowl. They came up two games short of eligibility. The Rams came up one game short of eligibility on the football field. The men's team, both of these men's teams should make the tournament. CU's women's team is going to make the tournament. The The Rams team, that they have had a schedule where I think there's a little bit of question, but uh, you start off 5-0, and oh, you have an opportunity to prove it. They're, they're looking. They're going to creep into the everyone receiving, other teams receiving votes if they keep winning. They win tomorrow against UTEP. And you could have four tournament teams from Boulder and Fort Collins this spring. And not only is that rare, but following on a football season in which Deion Sanders brought so much attention back to Colorado football, Colorado State, I think, performed very well. And I think their game against the Buffs, in which they could have, probably should have, beaten them on national TV, which was the most watched game at night for ESPN ever in college football broadcast history for them. That goes back quite a ways. It has brought attention to this state's athletics for the Rams and the Buffs in a way that we haven't seen in a while. And yes, DU hockey deserves the credit. They're going to be in the mix for a title as well. Right. And and uh, DU gymnastics, by the way, regularly Very ranked. Good. There's a lot. But sticking to basketball alone, this is kind of something that has not happened very often where you get this perfect storm. Attention in uh, for the Rams and the Buffs have not yet waned because the football season has just come to an end. And now you yes, flip over both. and you look and go, whoa, wait a minute. On the hardwood, 
both of these universities are doing stuff. Well, you have two of the top 30 teams right now in, in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I arguably, think both, arguably in both men and women, you might have two of the top 30. Well, yeah. I think Depending it, on where you put the range. Boy, how about that? And women's basketball, thanks to Kaylin Clark and uh, the gals at LSU mm-hmm. in, in large measure, uh, getting a lot more attention nationally. And CSU beat the tar out of LSU uh, yeah. uh, earlier this year. So, Good yeah, that, it's, it's great, great basketball around here. And, of course, we got the Nuggets and Rockets uh, tonight. And... It's uh, an embarrassment of riches. It really is. It, it really feels like it is. And you know, there's so much going on, obviously, in, in Colorado sports. It just never seems to stop. It's a great yeah, time. They got, got Cherry Creek and Columbine playing for yes, the football Yes, by the way, we will be, we'll break that down tomorrow with Dan Mormon. Dave and Logan Pepsi and Andy Lowry, in my opinion, are the two best high school coaches in the state and have been for years and probably decades we'll dig deeper into that tomorrow with uh, with dan for sure but keep in mind by the way i talked about our friends over at superbook sports if you refer a friend and you can earn a 50 dollars bonus this season with superbook sports they're the most trusted name in sports wagering and you don't want to miss the refer a friend bonus it's easy all you do is click on the refer a friend link under your profile in the sport superbook app and then share that promo code with your friends then you'll get a 50 dollars bonus not just a $50 bonus, but one for every person who registers using your code so you can win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, Sandy mentioned the Nuggets. The Nuggets take on the Rockets tonight. You're thinking, again? Yeah, again. This is the 19th game of the season. They'll be taking on the Rockets for the third time tonight, and the Nuggets, the defending champs, haven't beaten them yet. Is it going to change? We'll talk about it on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Well, if you're sick of seeing the Houston Rockets, you're probably not alone. I suspect the Denver Nuggets are too, especially because the Nuggets have already played them twice in their first 18 games and lost twice. Now, they get them for the third time this season in game 19, and uh, the Nuggets li- technically listed. Nikola Jokic with the back, uh, sat out the game against the Clippers, in which the ex-Clippers, uh, Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan, carried the day. Jokic with his back, uh, Aaron Gordon with his ankle, Jamal Murray with hamstring, all listed as questionable. Uh, Jokic and Gordon are probably on the probable side of questionable, but earlier in the day, the Nuggets sent Jalen Pickett, along with Braxton Key and Jay Huff, to the Grand Rapids Gold, where they'll play five games over the next nine days starting on Saturday. That tells me that if Murray's not ready tonight, he's real hmm. close. And we talked about it at the time of the injury that he was going to sit out the rest of November. Uh, that that might happen if he sits out this game. It might be right on the money. But obviously, he's really close, either uh, tonight or soon, because for the Nuggets, the schedule uh, gives him ample opportunity to make returns in, in significant games. On well, Friday, they, they play Phoenix. On Saturday, right. they play Sacramento. And then they're off for nine days. And yeah, they're, you know they're, why they're, they're off for yeah. nine days? in season tournament, right? And they aren't participating. 
because right. they didn't qualify. That's the best news they've gotten all year. You know, it, and and I know some of these games have in and of themselves been great games. And and there were two of them last night that were on TNT, and even Charles Barkley liked both games. Minnesota and Oklahoma City played as good a game as there was this year. Unfortunately, Anthony Edwards uh, took a terrible fall and oh, hopefully yeah, just bruised his hip. Uh, but he may be out for a while. It still, even after he went out, became a great game. And Charles Barkley's right with us. He said, "My, uh, I, I love this guy. He's my favorite player in the league, Naz Reed, mm-hmm. the guy we've been oh, talking we've, about we've talked for about over a year. Oh, yeah. Um, and someone I was hoping the Nuggets might be able to trade for. Yep. Uh, Minnesota nice. got wise, and even though he's technically the third-string center behind uh, Gobert and Towns, it, Towns is now used more as a power forward. Mm-hmm. And, and Naz Reed made a big three that helped them win that game last night against Oklahoma City. And the other game was Golden State and Sacramento. In Sacramento, Golden State at one point leading by 26, and Draymond was back last night. They had all their guys. Uh, Paul, as you might figure, got hurt. <laughs> Just as they're getting green back, Paul gets hurt. Paul has been a steadying influence coming off the bench, and the Golden State Warriors played like, even during the championship years they sometimes played, couldn't stop turning the ball over, and blew the game. Blew a 26-point lead. And Sacramento beats him by one, even though Darren Fox missed about 1,000 free throws during the game. Both teams kept trying to hand the game to the other team, but it was a terrific game to watch. Um, even late at night, I when it was 26 points in favor of Golden State, I turned it off. Uh, I came back to it because I checked the scores, and it was fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a close game, so it was safe to watch, and it was a great finish. And I, I understand that I, I think – this whole thing confuses me, but I know the latter game had some significance for this in-season tournament, um, and it was a great game. But, it, you know, they're debating um, Candace Parker, I really like, who was sitting in for Shaq last night on the TNT panel with Barkley and Smith and, of course, Ernie Johnson. And Candace Parker said point differential shouldn't be the tiebreaker. Right, because uh, and Barkley was going nuts about that. You had to run, run right. point. You had to run the game up on some. And, guys. and that was Sacramento Golden State. There was certain margin for both teams. They had, it was ridiculous. Make it based on what your record is, and the tiebreaker goes to the team with a better record, which seems to make sense uh, to me. Um, the Nuggets, though, wouldn't have qualified for even a tiebreaker. <laughs> they keep uh, losing to Houston. They, they kept losing to Houston, and and they lost some other. They lost in New Orleans last week. I think that meant something. Yeah. Um, but anyway, to me, that's a break for the Nuggets. Well, you, you don't I need, have I need to play to between you on that because December third and actually, December eleventh. You, you do now because the other teams that were eliminated now they filled in a couple. So for the Nuggets, they they will play tonight. They then play Friday. At, at, well, Phoenix, I know they play Saturday, 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 but then Sacramento. they play next Wednesday against the Clippers, who were also eliminated. So they play them on December 6th. Well, that, though, against that's the as Clippers. good as having a day off. That base, it seems like right? it, right? And then, you know, they get on the 8th, a week from Friday, the Rockets again. Four times in 23 games, okay, they will well, get the Houston Rockets. But if it's not on the schedule, how do they? Because the schedule just got updated. Because the, now the, the teams have been eliminated, it got changed today, and they, add, they added in the games for the teams that are eliminated. So they're still playing 82 games. Yep. 
Oh, the only, only the only team that plays eighty three is the teams that are they're, end they're up playing in the, the championship. Yeah, everyone else play eighty two. So the Nuggets who, have who now cares? had the Clippers and Houston added back in to next week, but so they don't play them later in the year when it's on the schedule that they play them later. It, it it's year. it would seem not because well, they now, can't, they can't play Houston yeah, more than four yeah, times. Yeah, you've got Houston already done with four Houston. times. They'll be done. They'll be done with Houston as of next week. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. What a what a weird. Listen, the Nuggets are going to slaughter Houston. Tonight. You think Houston, they've lost oh, the first two on the road? The Nuggets. Tell me how many. Tell me. Tell me how many games Houston's won on the road. It, that would be zero. It would be none. Yeah. That would be zero. And then the, and they and, played a tough, long game last night in Dallas. You also look lost one twenty-one to one fifteen. All their starters played big minutes. They will lose. The, the Nuggets will that, win the game by somewhere between yeah. twenty and thirty points. The tonight. Nuggets, by the, the way, game will be over at the quarter. The, the game will be over. The, uh, the Nuggets are undefeated at home, at home, and the Rockets are winless on the road. And the Rockets have beaten the Nuggets I think twice. You're right. I think the Rockets Houston. handled this almost like uh, what we expected to see with. If the you're Clippers inclined game, to wager, the, wager on this one. Clippers, the I Nuggets. think, are treating this like we thought the Nuggets were treating. Well, the Nuggets were treating the Clippers game as, as the quote unquote old. Greg Popovich schedule loss, but they wanted well, anyway. to play that way. Uh, I think Houston is taking this one as the schedule loss too, and it, it would not surprise me after this. Well, time. they're young; they're going to play. They're, they're young, they're go and for I it, like but, their team. But I think they understand but they're they haven't not won a road game. ready yeah. to win on the road, and not against yeah. the best home team in the NBA. Probably not. Yeah. So uh, the the interesting to watch there, obviously, is is you know, does Aaron Gordon get back? Does Jamal Murray? A get back? Does he make a cameo? Does he play a little bit? Uh, we will see the move sending picket to Grand Rapids. I think indicates that Murray's return is imminent, uh, as expected. You know, we told you before that had these been playoff games the last few weeks, Murray would have probably played. Uh, the Nuggets are being smart and not worrying about uh, any of these details. And, and the deciding. Nuggets are still second behind only Minnesota in oh, the West, only Minnesota, even right. without Jamal Murray. Uh, right. They're still doing uh, for, perfectly for basically well. a month without Jamal Murray, and uh, here they are, only one and a half games behind the Timberwolves. Who who knows how long they'll be out? Anthony Edwards. So it's uh, it's really a good spot for the Nuggets, who at times you know haven't played all that great in that recent road trip. But you figure they don't have that again. They're cruising at the top of the West. So tonight, let's see if they end up taking care of business. I I like it as well. I think for the Nuggets, it's sort of health that's the primary concern for this team and the bench depth now with Pickett gone and Murray presume let's say Murray doesn't return tonight but hypothetically over the next couple games Reggie Jackson goes back and and plays big minutes off the bench as he has been playing how does that alter the bench because now you have a scorer off the bench in in Jackson now you don't have to lean as heavily on Christian Brown and you don't have to lean as heavily on Peyton Watson to get you points well that's an excellent point that's an excellent because point. bench scoring has been an issue. Watson's not a points guy, and no. Brown's not a points guy. I mean, Brown had twenty five points in a game recently, but that's not what he does, right? And it's not Watson's strength either. I want Watson blocking shots and playing straight up defense. Um, even even that supersedes rebounding. And I thought Malone got on him earlier in the year for not rebounding because uh, there was one game where he didn't have any, and he played a fair amount. And I can't have you out there if you don't grab a single rebound. I can't play. And that's perfectly fair. Um, when Brown doesn't score at all uh, and doesn't really get involved on the boards or uh, in the playmaking area, then, you know, he plays 12 minutes like he did 
the other night. That's a rare nothing game from Christian Brown. But you're exactly right that Jackson, as we saw the other night, can still score. All right. He's averaging 13 a and game, basically. he's an excellent playmaker. Mm-hmm. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And it's hard to believe he's the same guy that, for good reason, they wouldn't play yeah. after they acquired him last year because he wasn't good enough to play in the rotation. But neither was DeAndre Jordan, and he played big minutes the other night, and he outplayed Zubats, who had a very good game. And Jordan was still the better player on the night. And, and that's Jordan's my team question won. now. Yes, they have Zeke Nagy, who is not a one-to-one center replacement for Jokic. Do you consider, if you're Michael Malone, when you're healthy again, perhaps you do consider having DeAndre Jordan being Nikola Jokic's primary backup? Yeah, I think it depends on the matchup. If you can Sean. keep him under 16 minutes right. a game. Well, yeah. I mean, it Jokic is going to play 32 minutes. Right. Uh, and probably... a Two or three minutes more. The only guys that are not starters to play more than 20 a game are Reggie Jackson and Christian Brown. Yeah. You know, you don't have to get to that level. But but but. you're not. See, the thing I like about Malone, as opposed to past years when it seemed like he'd lock in, and there were minutes virtually guaranteed to certain guys coming off the bench. Mm -hmm. Okay. Virtually guaranteed. And this year, they're not. uh, Brown's minutes only get cut when he plays badly, and that doesn't happen very often. Uh, Watson's minutes can go up and down. Mm-hmm. Watson isn't guaranteed 20 minutes a night no, or 15 oh no. minutes a night. And he doesn't have a yet. So, okay. He's still a little short. Uh, Reggie Jackson, obviously from his play since he became a starter in place of Murray, has demonstrated that he's probably really your sixth man. He may not get sixth man minutes every night, but he's the first guy coming off the bench, right? Right. When everybody's healthy. And Najee is just kind of one of those guys, I think, who brings a degree of energy. Look at the other night, seven offensive rebounds. No defensive and, rebounds, though. So well, weird. yeah, but he didn't need – it wasn't like they were getting beaten on the boards. So true. So, you know, I, I looked at his performance the other night. I said, that that – of all the bench contributions, that may have been the most significant. I, I'm okay. I think that's a good point, Sandy, because I do think, I still think down the road you're going to need, and especially when you look at how Minnesota is constructed, I think teams are starting to understand that size really does make a difference here. And I think in games where you're going to need more physicality, I think for a small point of time, you're going to want DeAndre but, Jordan over Zeke Nagy on the floor. You know, get back to Nas Reed. Nas Reed doesn't have much size. He's got some sharp elbows, center. Though. <laughs> I know he's, but that's more more important than size. Size alone, it, it's energy, it's directing it properly, not taking silly fouls. You come off the bench, you should never be in foul trouble, right? Right. Because your minutes are limited Correct. to begin with. So you should always be aggressive and not worry so much about fouling. But you know, if you pick up two or three in your first two minutes in the game, you're worthless. Uh, why Why are you playing at all if that's all you're doing is coming in and fouling? And the thing I've liked about Najee, and I understand I like him more than you do, uh, I, I, is that he does bring energy. And some nights, yes, it will make more sense to use Jordan um, backing up if the other team has some size that they're bringing in. And See, Jordan is another guy who wasn't playing but was inserted into the starting lineup. Holiday wasn't playing. Right. Inserted into the starting lineup to replace Gordon. I like 
that when Malone does it. And I thought we might see the same thing when Murray went out, but he made the right choice in putting Reggie Jackson in there because Reggie Jackson and Caldwell Pope seem to have complemented each other beautifully uh, during this time. And, yes, the Nuggets had a lousy road trip last week. They lost three out of four, but it was not the fault of either Reggie Jackson or Contavious Caldwell-Pope that they lost three games out of four. Uh, I think uh, Gordon was playing hurt. Uh, Porter was up and down. Uh, You know, the, the thing that makes the Houston matchup interesting, even tonight for me, is that center matchup because Jokic is leading the parade. For this young hey, Houston says Singun, yeah, Singun is he's special. leading the parade. He's special. He did the Jokic says they're building the team around uh, him. They are they're not building around Jalen Green, not building around Van Vliet. They're not building it around anybody except this guy. And Yudoka uh, knows what he's doing. Yes, and he's great with a young team. Great coach for a young Singu, team. Singu, by the way, just turned twenty-one in July. It is, it's absurd he how is good he averaging is. Twenty point nine points a game, nine point one boards, he, five point seven assists. He'll be if he isn't this he's year. Jokic by the light. end of the year, he will be a double-double machine. Oh, and yeah. he's a playmaker. He's an excellent passer. Now, I'm not saying he can average like Jokic does, and you know, eight and a half, well, nine, you don't need ten to assists because you have a game. great playmaker in Van Vliet who's averaging nine point two. Right. Assist. I right. Mean, Houston but is, they're not is building the team around that. They're no. building the team around this kid. But and they that's have the right they do. have some parts. And they have a trip the nuggets up twice. We'll find out if they do it a third time. This NFL week becomes interesting. The Denver Broncos control their own destiny with the Texans, but they could also get a whole bunch of help and improve their odds in a lot of different ways. We can go around the NFL. I'll tell you what teams make the biggest difference for the Broncos outside of their own game next of Miley Sports. I had a bad week, spent the evening pretending it wasn't that deep. You could see in my eyes that it was taking over. I guess I was just blind and caught up in the moment. You know you take all of my stress right down.